0: support for kansas city today comes from grandma's office catering one bank teller instead of the usual five slow fast food lines simply not enough staff grandma's office catering avoided the mass exodus with respect appreciation better wages and now health insurance that's how grandma continues to wow grandmascatering.com
1: this is kansas city today i'm Nomi ujia dean Today is Monday, June 6th. Coming up, how a new progressive organization in Kansas wants to transform politics in the state by having deep conversations with voters. But first, some headlines. Missouri reported nearly 9,000 COVID-19 cases last week. KCUR's Savannah Holly reports infections in the area now come almost exclusively from the BA2 Omicron variant. Most of the infections are among younger adults. Kansas City saw more than 100 new cases, which reflects its current relatively low infection rate. 465 people were hospitalized across the state as of May 25th, with fewer than 10 of those in Kansas City. Most of the cases in Missouri were found in the St. Louis area. Cases are low in much of the Kansas side of the metro, although Douglas County is seeing slightly higher rates. Infections are more than five times what they were this time last year, but information about case trends has been limited after Missouri's health department cut the frequency and information of its reports in April. Doctors at the University of Kansas recommend getting kids under the age of five a COVID vaccine once federal approval happens, which could be in a couple of weeks. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. Right now, vaccines are available only for children who are at least five years old, but that's expected to change soon and shots may become available for younger kids by the end of the month. Pediatricians at KU Health System say getting everyone vaccinated protects the wider population against new COVID variants. About 60% of Kansans have had at least one dose of the COVID vaccine. Vaccine rates are lower for kids and teens than adults. The NCAA Big 12 Men's and Women's Basketball Tournaments will stay in Kansas City for another two years. Greg Ecklin has more for KCUR.
0: The Men's and Women's Tournaments were already committed to playing in Kansas City through 2025. The conference and the Kansas City Sports Commission jointly announced on Friday that the tournaments are now committed through 2027. With Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby announcing his retirement earlier this year, Sports Commission President Kathy Nelson says it was important to get this deal done. Nelson says conversations are ongoing on future dates and whether or not the women's tournament will also move to T-Mobile Center.
1: A new progressive nonprofit in Kansas is hoping to change the state's deep red reputation. It's called Prairie Roots, and its co-founder and executive director, Peyton Browning, wants to make that change by getting to know voters and what they want. She spoke to KCUR's Brian Ellison on UpToDate about her hopes for a less conservative Kansas. Here's part of their conversation.
2: So we do deep canvassing, um, which is an important part of it. Um, we are reaching out to non-voters and deep canvassing, if you're not familiar with how um, that might be different than normal canvassing, it's not a one-way conversation. and We're not selling them on any candidate. Um, deep conversation is about having longer conversations with people and about listening, asking questions and getting people engaged to hear about what they really care about.
0: Is, that, is the goal to actually change their minds about things or is it to, to get people who already agree with you out to the polls?
2: Um, it's a little bit of both, but it's really getting people out to the polls. Um, we are talking to likely progressive non-voters, um, but they—it's uh, really about getting them out to the polls and letting them know when the next election is, how to cast a ballot, and all of that. So,
0: Peyton, is that—is the assumption then that Kansas is actually already full of progressives? They're just not voting.
2: Yeah, actually, there's about 250,000 likely progressive non voters in Kansas. Um, 180,000 of those are under the age of 35.
0: And those kind of numbers, uh, how would that affect uh, the the balance of both statewide elections and and legislative elections?
2: Greatly. Um, actually, we only need to turn out about 50,000 to turn uh, to flip both legislative chambers in the state house. Um, and we plan to do that.
0: How much uh, I know this is sort of in its uh, in its infancy, you're just getting started. But but how much research do you have? Are there particular districts that are that would be susceptible to this kind of strategy? Uh, or, or is this a, a truly statewide effort?
2: Our districts that we will be targeting are across the state. You know, it's represented in Southwest Kansas, Southeast Kansas, um, Central Kansas, uh, really all over. But more than half the legislature, we see opportunities to make big and historical change. Um, One third of the legislature was unchallenged in 2020 with no options of progress at all. So no progressive candidate on the ballot. Um, and Kansans deserve options. People say Kansas is a red state, but I would argue that we just don't know that to be fact yet, without having progressive candidates in every seat.
0: So, take us back a little bit. How did how did Prairie Roots originally come about? Where where did this idea come from?
2: Yeah, well, I'm a lifelong Kansan. Um, I'm from Haysville, Kansas, small town south of Wichita, and I really believe in our state. And I've watched our state, and I'm worried about our communities and what the legislature is doing to um, you know people's lives and. Uh, After the the 2020 Senate race, um, Barbara Bollier uh, and those results, we sat down and were debriefing the election and looking at, you know, knowing that there was low engagement with especially younger folks. Um, We were looking at Georgia's success with long-term organizing and having a long-term plan, Um, looking at their year-round organizing and deep canvassing programs and seeing if that would be a good fit for Kansas. Um, So looking at keeping people engaged and turning out the next generation to vote.
0: You mentioned Barbara Bollier, the the former state senator and who was the U.S. Senate candidate for the Democrats uh, last time around. Are there other uh, folks in Kansas, other elected leaders or, or past officials who have been working with you on this effort? Are, is, there, is there any Democratic firepower or is this all uh, sort of new, new political activity?
2: Um, while we're new and it is new political activity, we've got several people uh, that are elected and non-elected, uh, people who are helping out with the organization. You know, we are instilling a lot of hope in people across the state, especially in rural areas where they haven't had much hope lately. Um, so there's several people involved in the organization um, that are helping drive this mission forward.
0: The, and who are those people? I mean, how many at this point, I know it's still early, but how many staff do you have? How many people have have signed on as volunteers?
2: Yeah, we've got a staff of about four, and we've had about 400 volunteers so far in the past year.
0: Where do you hope to get?
2: We are always looking for new volunteers and more volunteers. You know, this is going to be a long term uh, organizing plan, and hopefully, you know, being able to win and flip both majorities of the state house, but, you know, then hold those majorities as well. So we will always be looking for volunteers, and volunteers can also go to our website, uh, to volunteer and sign up.
0: Peyton, tell me more about you and your background. What is your personal, other than growing up in Kansas, a lot of people grow up in Kansas, a lot of people have concerns about particular directions politically, but something has motivated you in particular to to do this. Where does that come from?
2: Yeah, I actually um, had stage four endometriosis and needed a hysterectomy when I was 21 years old and couldn't get one in the state of Kansas due by law to what the legislator had put in law. Um, and had to move out of state to get that access to uh, health care. And so that's a big motivator for me to see progressive majorities in the state house.
0: Do you have a background in in political organizing?
2: Yeah, I've been organizing and doing campaigns for the past eight years.
0: So this is just sort of the next, uh, the next step, or maybe a broader, a broader application of things you've been, been doing
2: already. It's definitely been the most fun journey that I've been on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am curious. I mean, one of your stated goals you've mentioned is, is involving the Kansas legislature, actually flipping the House and Senate, and the language I've seen you use is majority progressive. What does that mean exactly? Is this, are we talking about uh, flipping from Republicans to Democrats, or is there more? more specificity uh, ideologically than that?
2: Um, we really want people who, you know, believe in human rights and are going to be fighting for that in the state house, And that's who we want elected.
0: So would that be equivalent to Democrats or or is th- is this a partisan uh, effort?
2: Um, that could be Democrats. It could also be unaffiliated, you know, especially in rural districts of Kansas. Uh, some people are afraid to run as a Democrat. There's, it's not very popular to be a Democrat out in rural Kansas. And so you know those folks might run as an independent, and that doesn't stop us from um, wanting them to be in the statehouse as well.
0: I know there was a time when uh, a lot of us who covered the Kansas legislature paid attention to moderate Republicans versus conservative Republicans. Is that a distinction that has any meaning to you at this point?
2: Um, I mean, definitely. But, you know, the centrist caucus to our state legislature kind of doesn't doesn't exist anymore. And um, they've been pushed out from the Republican Party. Um, so we don't no longer have those moderate Republicans really is that what we used to see. Um, so, you know, working to kind of figure out where we stand on a political landscape these days.
0: Peyton, how did you come up with the particular numerical goals? You've mentioned you want to speak with 250,000 people, that if you flipped 50,000 votes, that would be enough to change the legislature. How did you get these numbers?
2: Yeah, so we were looking at, you know, non-voters, getting people out to vote who haven't voted before. Um, And that we were looking at, you know, the registration data of those people, and that came out to that 250,000 number. Um, again, 180,000 of them are under the age of 35. So it's largely, uh, you know, the millennial and Gen Z generations. Um, but as for trying to flip out or turn out at uh, 50,000 to flip the legislature, um, that's just based off of past historical election data results um, and, you know, how many votes that it'll, it'll take to flip those districts.
0: That's 50,000 people across all these different districts divided in the right ways to, to flip those seats. That's correct. What, what about statewide office? What about the U.S. Senate seats from Kansas? Or, or um, obviously there is a Democratic governor now, but uh, I think all would agree that that's a tough win for Democrats anytime at this point. Uh, do you see this strategy bearing fruit on a statewide level as well?
2: Yeah, um, I also worked on Barbara Bulley's U.S. Senate race as her deputy finance director. Um, And so I think Barbara and I both would love to see, uh, you know, that seat be won in a couple of years. But we are kind of looking at this as like a 10 year plan. Um, You know, it took Georgia 10 years to do what they did in turning blue. um, And we, you know, don't expect that to be an easier for Kansas. Um, So we are thinking that, you know, between five to 10 years, we might be able to see that those seats statewide be held by uh, progressive candidates.
0: You're placing a lot of confidence in uh, what you you called a moment ago, deep canvassing. Tell me a little more about what that is. How how does a typical interaction of deep canvassing work? If if you come to my door or you come to you approach me on the street, what what does your your approach to me look like that you're calling deep canvassing?
2: Yeah. So like I said, um, it's not a one-way conversation, and we're not selling them on a candidate. Um, we're not trying to get them out to vote for a specific candidate. We're just trying to get them out to vote. Um, but what we do is we ask them questions like, you know, um, what are, what issues are you facing? What matters to you? Uh, do you think your government is working for you? Um, and, you know, especially through, for an example, if we, if someone's saying, you know, I'm really worried about school shootings, um, right now, it's like, that's exactly where you should go vote for your local school board member, your, uh, state legislature, your governor, things like that. Like, uh, these leaders have and make decisions on those issues. And so we connect it to, we connect exactly what their issues are to the power of their vote and why they should start voting, which has been a huge motivator for these folks that
1: we've talked to so far. That was KCUR's Brian Allison and Peyton Browning of Prairie Roots. You can listen to their entire conversation at KCUR.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeen Ujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by CJ Janovey. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear our live stream. Thanks for listening and I'll see you tomorrow.